I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hi, and welcome back. Have you ever wondered about that station of the cross that's all about Simon of Cyrene? I remember as a kid going to stations of the cross at my Catholic school. They had them every Friday during Lent, and there was always that little reflection about Simon of Cyrene carrying the cross of Jesus, and he's a model of compassion, and we should go help other people and carry their crosses, help them with their burdens in life. And even as a little kid in grade school, I remember wondering, Why is this guy the model for compassion? It wasn't like he volunteered. He didn't say, hey, I want to go help Jesus. Choose me. No, no, no. He was just forced to do it. He didn't do this out of compassion. He did it out of compulsion. Uh, I want to take a look at that. We're going to look at Simon of Cyrene, and we'll see he's a wonderful model for embracing crosses. But first, I want to take you back to what happened just before Jesus had to carry the cross. That'll help give you a little context for that powerful scene when Simon meets Jesus. But let's talk about the scourging. Now, for those of you who may have seen Mel Gibson's famous film, The Passion of the Christ, uh, I bet you'd agree with me that one of the hardest scenes to watch was the scourging at the pillar. Now, don't get me wrong, seeing the crucifixion and, and Jesus dying on the cross, that was really hard as well. But that scourging, oh my, those Roman soldiers beating Jesus over and over and over again. And we're seeing Jesus's skin being ripped open and all the blood poured out. And uh, and it just was relentless. They just kept going on and on. It seemed like it was going to go on forever. Now, as hard as that scene was to watch, I have to tell you, from what I know about first century uh, Roman scourgings, what Mel Gibson portrayed was pretty accurate. You see, you may have heard of a Jewish tradition about whippings. When the Jews would whip a criminal, they they had some legal constraints. They would show some restraint. You could only give 40 lashes to the maximum. So only 40 lashes maximum. And the Pharisees limited uh, to 39. The Pharisees are always about going above and beyond the law, making sure in case you miscounted as you were uh, whipping someone, you got carried away, you had one number to play with there. But whatever the case may be, whether it was 40 lashes or 39 lashes, what I want you to know is this, that's for a Jewish whipping. That is not what Jesus faced on Good Friday. Jesus did not face a Jewish whipping. He faced a Roman scourging. And that was much more severe, much more intense, much more horrific. You see, a scourging in the for the Romans involved leather thongs that had sharp pieces of bone or metal at the end, and it was meant to tear into the skin, rip that skin open, and leave the muscles exposed and tear into the muscles. There, there was no limit as well. It could go on and on and on as it did in the Passion of the Christ movie. Now, why did the Romans scourge? What was this used for? Well, sometimes Roman scourgings were used for torture. If you had a criminal and they were trying to get uh, information out of that criminal, they may use a scourging to torture the the prisoner. But there was another reason. Uh, Sometimes a scourging was used as a prelude to a crucifixion. And that's what we see with Jesus. Uh, on Good Friday. You see, if you wanted to control 
the length of a crucifixion, how long the crucifixion was going to last. Uh, you could do it by the scourging that led up to the crucifixion. So they typically would scourge the, the criminal before he was crucified. And if you wanted the crucifixion to last a, a long time, you would give a very light scourging, a very minor scourging. But if you wanted that crucifixion to go really quick, well, then you would give a very intense scourging so as to, to limit the length of the, the, the person dying on the cross. Well, we know that crucifixions usually took place over a whole day or two. And uh, in this case, though, with Jesus, his crucifixion, the Gospels tell us, lasted only about three hours. What does that tell us? His crucifixion went by so quickly. That indicates that the scourging must have been uh, a very severe one, a, mu- a very intense one. Uh, Jesus was almost dead, probably, at the end of his scourging. Uh, and, and, and they did that because you can understand, we know sundown is coming, it's the Passover, and they wanted this to be all taken care of before Passover. And so they were really trying to get that, that crucifixion uh, done very quickly. And so Jesus faced a very severe scourging. Now, what would happen next? After the prisoner was scourged, he would have to carry his cross. Now, why are they carrying a cross? Well, crucifixions would often happen outside the city walls. Uh, The Romans would do this usually on crowded roads where people could see. And the idea was they wanted to humiliate the criminals, to hold them up as a model of this is what will happen if you dare to rise up against Rome. So they wanted to be very public out in the city, uh, outside the city walls on the crowded roads. And there were veritable vertical cross, vertical parts of the cross planted into the ground at the site. So picture the vertical part of the cross implanted in the ground at the place of crucifixion, and the criminal inside the city would have to carry his own cross beam, and he'd carry it over his shoulders like a yoke. So you could picture most likely Jesus has the the crossbar over his shoulders, and he's carrying it through the city streets out toward Calvary. It would be highly unusual for the Romans to allow another person to carry the crossbeam for the criminal. The criminal had to carry his own crossbeam out to the crucifixion site. So the fact that the Romans allowed uh, Jesus to have someone carry his own crossbeam, that's another indication that Jesus is really out of sorts here. He is in such bad condition. His scourging was so severe, he could barely walk. He can't even carry his own cross. They're going to make an exception here and allow this other man, Simon of Cyrene, to carry the cross for him. Now, let's talk about this man. Who is Simon of Cyrene? Well, Cyrene was a North African city, uh, and it was it had a, a large Jewish population there, there in North Africa. And there's two different theories on this. Perhaps Simon of Cyrene uh, is traveling. He's a pilgrim from Cyrene coming into Jerusalem just for the feast. Uh, but there's another view that says that perhaps he was a settler in Jerusalem, that he uh, was from Cyrene, but he lives now in Jerusalem. And we know that there were Cyrenian Jewish people living in the area because there's a synagogue for the Cyrenians that Acts the Apostles mentions in Acts chapter 6, verse 9. You know, again, whatever the case may be, Simon of Cyrene is often held up as this model for compassion. <laughs> but picture the scene, though, on this day, He's just walking through the city streets, doesn't know what's going on probably, and all of a sudden these Roman soldiers grab him and force him to carry Jesus' cross. He's forced to do this. 
Uh, why is he held up in our Catholic tradition uh, as a great holy man, someone that's helping Jesus? What is this all about? Well, it's true. Simon was forced to do this, but I think Luke's gospel gives us a very interesting detail that tells us that Simon was transformed by his encounter with Jesus and the cross. Uh, I want to share with you this detail. It's found in Luke chapter 23, verse 26. Very simple little detail. It says this, Simon carried the cross behind Jesus. That's it. That doesn't seem to be packed with a lot of theological meaning at first glance, but I want you to picture that image there. Simon carries the cross behind Jesus. Why is this so important? Because in Jesus's own teachings, in Luke's gospel and the other gospels, Jesus talks a lot about what it means to be a disciple. A true disciple picks up the cross and follows Jesus. Listen to what Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says. Jesus says there, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What is, what's the standard for being a true disciple? You take up the cross and follow Jesus. What's Simon of Cyrene doing on Good Friday? He's taking up the cross of Jesus and walking behind Jesus. He's taking up the cross and following Jesus. So that little detail in Luke's passion narrative about Simon walking behind Jesus with the cross, that, that's meant to paint a picture showing Simon of Cyrene is a model disciple. He's living out the standard that Jesus set forth for, forth for discipleship. That tells us that even though Simon might have been forced to carry this cross, he didn't choose this, he didn't seek this out, he was just forced to, he was a changed man through his encounter with the cross of Jesus. He became a disciple. In fact, how couldn't he be changed? Watching Jesus's love, his perseverance on Good Friday, his forgiving his enemies as he's being crucified. Simon is changed through that process, and that's the earliest tradition, that Simon became a Christian. He became a disciple. Luke's gospel points out that little detail to highlight how Simon is a model disciple following Jesus. Now, the practical point for all of us is this. I think we have to realize that there are many crosses that we're all going to face in life. And we could sometimes plan those crosses like we do in Lent. You know, we say we're going to give up our favorite food or favorite drink, or maybe we're going to stop by the chapel or pray a little more or do more kind deeds or work out more or eat better food, whatever, whatever resolutions we made at the beginning of Lent, those are little crosses that we planned. And we, you know, we do okay with them and maybe we fumble halfway through Lent, we get up and we try again, but, but those are the crosses we plan. Many times the crosses that are most fruitful in our spiritual life are the crosses we don't plan the ones we didn't expect, the ones we didn't choose, but they're presented before us. You see, my friends, all of us are going to face crosses in this life. Uh, this world is full of suffering because it's a fallen world, and we're all going to get our doses of suffering. Some will have more than others, admittedly, but we're all going to face suffering. We cannot evade the cross. The question is, what will we do when we face those unexpected crosses, those crosses that come into our path, maybe difficulties in our family life, uh, challenges uh, in the workplace, difficulties in our parish, uh, breakdowns in relationships we thought we could trust, what do we do 
when we face those crosses. You know what happens? Many times we kick and scream and we're frustrated and when we're angry and we're sad and we're depressed. And that's how we tend to respond when we face those unexpected crosses. Jesus is inviting us to be like Simon of Cyrene, to be like Simon on Good Friday. You see, a true disciple isn't simply one that follows Jesus. It's one that takes up the cross and follows Jesus. But I'll go a step further and say Luke's gospel is showing us that a true disciple is not just someone that takes up crosses that they choose for themselves. No, a true disciple is willing to embrace those crosses that just come in our pathway, the ones that in God's providence we find in front of us. Will we embrace those crosses or are we going to put limits around the crosses we'll face? Are we going to say we'll only do these things and only embrace the crosses that we choose and that we plan? You see, what we want to see is these crosses are like what the early Christians called the tree of life. That's what Calvary was called, the cross of Jesus. The early Christians saw that as the tree of life. It was, yes, there was death and suffering, but from that, it bore so much fruit. It bore the salvation of the world and brought new life to the world. And we have to see that the little crosses we face in our lives, those unexpected ones, are great opportunities for new life, for growth. And so not just kicking and screaming, but coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, what are you trying to teach me through this cross? What are you trying to show me to be truly open, to be like Simon, who faced a cross that he didn't plan, he didn't choose, it was just there, but then he embraced it. And through embracing it, he was changed, he was transformed, and now he's a model disciple. If you want to be transformed by Jesus, if you really want to go deep in your spiritual life, if you want to be changed, if you want to be a model disciple, be ready to embrace the crosses that are the unexpected ones and trust that in those difficulties that come our way, they can always bear fruit. They can teach us new spiritual lessons, help us to grow and become more and more like Christ. Well, my friends, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe and share it with other people. And if you have any questions on this or anything else, you can reach me on my website, edwardsree.com. As I've been mentioning lately, I'm taking questions for a Q&A episode I'm going to do later this spring. So send me your questions on my website, edwardsree.com, or reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter. God bless. God bless.